Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, our readings might not seem to fit together, yet they do. There is a lot of talk of hope on the one hand and joy in the prophecy and in the epistle, but then the gospel speaks of these signs on the last day, which sound awfully frightening and terrifying even on the first glance. Signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, Signs in the heavens that make it seem like everything is about to come undone. On the earth, distress of nations with perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring. There will be wars and rumors of wars, nations striving against one another, nations in internal turmoil and distress so that her own people are against one another. There will be societal breakdown in one place, and then another. There will be great confusion, animosity, and instability, prices soaring, leading some to ruin and others to riches at their sake. There will be shipwrecks and earthquakes, tidal waves, floods, and blizzards, and hurricanes. The sea which we had begun to think we had tamed will show its violence that it is not. Men's hearts failing them for fear and from expectation of those things that are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Hearts will fail from fear and expectation. People will think that everything is doomed and that there is no escape. Some will think that it is better to prevent or even kill new children rather than having them come into this world. Others will seek any way to drown out or numb the approaching dread that they feel. There will be great anxiety and angst concerning these things. There will be an expectation of something happening, something coming, some threat too big to face, but will appear nonetheless. Then, our Lord says, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. On their face, these signs seem frightening. They are the death throes of a sick and dying world, signaling the end. An end which will not come peacefully in its sleep, but in writhing agony. These things have been going on for a while now, thousand, two thousand years even, coming in waves Upon the world. Many great Christian theologians and preachers have, in their own time, seen the signs and thought that it would not be surprising if their generation was the last. And they were right after a fashion. The world is coming to an end, and the signs are here and have been here and continue to come. The day is drawing nearer and nearer. And all the signs we see in the scriptures, which warn us of it, are fulfilled again and again. They seem frightening for those who are not in Christ, 
and for them they truly are frightening. There is nowhere to hide, nowhere to run, nothing to do to escape that which is coming if one trusts on their own selves, trusting in their own devices, trusting in their own riches, in their own schemes and plots. Neither underground bunkers nor rockets to Mars can provide an escape. And these events might even seem frightening to us as well when we see them going on around us and we see the reactions of other people. But they should not be brothers and sisters. As I said at the beginning, these two themes of these signs and of hope go together. Our Lord's words continue this morning. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. When these things happen, we are to look up, to look towards heaven where the Lord will appear from when he comes again, but also to look up, look up to Christ our Lord and Savior, look up to him with eyes of faith. When we see these things happening, we are, they are to work for us as a reminder to forsake ourselves to forsake trusting in ourselves and the things of the world, to repent of our sins, and to look to Christ in faith, trusting in him alone for our salvation in these times. Lift up your heads, that is, do not be sullen and do not despair at these signs. Instead, be filled with hope, for these things mean that the Lord is near. It means that he is coming with our redemption, our rescue from sin, death, and the devil. The reason we're able to lift up our heads and to be hopeful in the midst of all of this, the reason that we can hope for this redemption in the first place, is because we are in Christ. When we believe we are united to Christ in faith, when we are baptized, we are baptized into Christ, as St. Paul says, for as many of you are baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Being in Christ, there is no need to fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. By God's grace, through faith, we have justification, the forgiveness of sins. In Christ, we are covered by his righteousness, hidden in his wounds, for it was by his death and wounds that he gained our salvation. In Christ, we hide like the dove in the clefts of the rock, for he is the rock of our salvation the foundation of our faith, the solid ground of our redemption. In him we need not fear the enemies of sin, death, and the devil, for in him our sins are forgiven. In him we have the promise of the resurrection from the dead, and in him we have overcome the devil because he himself has defeated him. And our Lord told his disciples of the things that they were to come, and then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. The parable's imagery and meaning is simple. It's one of those parables where the meaning is tacked on immediately by our Lord. But everyone uses different phenomena as signs of things to come. Some are more complex 
and have complicated ways of doing so, so, such as using various instruments and tools to consider the changes in the weather and to plan accordingly. But most are simple and they're things that almost every one of us do. While fig trees are not terribly common outside in Saskatchewan, we know that when trees in general are already budding, we see for ourselves that summer is now near. When we hear the song of the robin, we know that spring is close. When we see flocks of ducks and geese flying south, we know that autumn is here in earnest. Based on these things, we plan, and we plan our days accordingly so we're not caught unaware. When we see those geese flying south, it's high time to get our winter clothes out of storage so that it doesn't begin to snow one day and we still only have our shorts and t-shirts. Our Lord tells us that all that he described, the signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, on earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing from men hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of things that are coming on earth are signs for us who believe. Just as we use these signs around us to judge times and seasons, so too we use these signs to judge the greater time, the time of our Lord's appearing, to weigh the greater season, the ending of the winter of sin, and the coming of the spring of the new creation, where the saints of God, those who trust in Jesus Christ and are clothed in his righteousness, will rise from the earth like many glorious flowers after the rain. For lo, the winter is past, says the bridegroom in our prophecy. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. As we see these signs, which have ever been since the Lord ascended and continues to appear more and more, we are to use these to prepare for the season, lest we be caught unawares. To prepare for such times is to trust in Christ, to have faith in him, not a faith in name only, but a true living faith, a faith which is living, active and busy in good works, a faith which has taken consolation in the free gift of the forgiveness of sins, and so we need not be afraid, and we're able to serve and encourage our fellow Christians who are awaiting the Lord. As well, we are able to serve with good works those who are without Christ and are terrified of what is happening, sharing with them our hope in Christ and our talents and goods which the Lord has blessed us with. For because of the hope set before us, there is great joy that comes from knowing that our Lord is nearer and nearer. There is great joy in knowing that he is coming and he is for all people. While many reject him, he still died for them. He still holds out salvation for all until that day. For his salvation is not limited to this people or that people, but it is for all nations. He is the root of Jesse, he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in whom the Gentiles shall hope. For this we glorify him, and give thanks to him that he has taken us poor sinners and called us to be his people, has taken us to make us a part of his bride, the church, his beloved. 
the many and great blessings that we now enjoy from him will pale in comparison to those which he has prepared for those who love him in the resurrection and life everlasting. For there will be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more pain. Evil and death itself will be shut away forever. The earth itself, which our sin has harmed, will be healed. Our bodies fallen and subject to decay and death will be made immortal. Our minds, which are wounded by our fallen nature and are subject to confusion and weakness, will be renewed and filled with holy wisdom and understanding. People of every nation who were once strangers and even enemies will stand together in praise of God and be known to one another as brother and sister. The coming of our Lord Jesus is indeed great and terrible, awesome with its destruction, bringing great awe upon the world, but it's also the coming of our salvation. And this is the fact that makes us glad. Say to the daughter of Zion, says the Lord, behold, your salvation comes. The Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard, and when he comes again, at his voice the tombs will open, and the dead will be raised, and we shall have gladness of heart. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. See our state, see our weakness, see our enemies. See us in need, O Lord, and come. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Hear the joy in the voice of the bride, the church, as she realizes that her bridegroom, the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, is at hand. Behold, my beloved comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. His appearance is something to look forward to, something to hope for. His desire is to come and to rescue us, that we may delight in him and he in us forever. What joy there is to look forward to. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He is looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. He is near. The day is drawing close, so let us be ready. Let us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, daily repent of our sins and trust in Christ our Lord, who is at hand. Soon, soon we will hear him say to us and to all the faithful, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Rise up from your graves, rise up from the dust of death. Come away, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And this hope is not a fool's hope. It is not the hope of one who has no assurance of gaining the thing hoped for. This hope is sure. This hope is certain. This we know, for it was Christ our Lord who made this promise in which we hope. We can trust him, have faith in him, and believe and hope for his promises that he has staked his word on. Heaven and earth will pass away, says our Lord, but my words will by no means pass away. These words are certain, sure, and true. They are words of one who is God in the flesh. They are words of one who foretold his own death and resurrection, and who proved them and their trustworthiness by accomplishing them just as he said. If he was right about being delivered into the hands of the chief priests 
and the rulers, so that they would mock him, beat him, spit upon him, and put him to death, if he was right about his resurrection on the third day, if he was right about these things, then his word and promises are sure. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will by no means pass away. His words are more sure and certain, brothers and sisters, than even the ground you walk on. He is coming. Behold, your salvation comes, O Zion. The kingdom of God is near, and your redemption draws close. May God grant through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, our mediator, our savior, and our redeemer, who shed his blood for us, that we may always be ready to receive him with, with joy when he comes again. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen. Amen.